0: Were it not for you, we could not do that. And it's a joy to be here because we're here for a purpose. This past week, we flew in on the 28th, and it was a, a work trip or a ministry trip. Really, I don't like to say work, but let me say a ministry trip. Ministry trip. And that's for the purpose to share, uh, share one of our men, Brother Colter Patterson. It's been his burden to come to the state of Alaska, and it looks like it's going to take place. You pray with us. Let me just share this with you. We were with the Department of Corrections, the head chaplain. And then from there, we went down to Stewart. We met with officials on Monday and then with the superintendent yesterday. All looks good. What our plans are is for him to come when he has at a minimum of 85%. He's at 70% at present time. And um, he will train with Brother Taylor. Uh, Brother Taylor's out of this church, he's now in Seward, and uh, he will train with him for a period of six months, possibly upwards to a year, and then he will go to Goose Creek. And we're excited about that. We're excited that God will give us a place here. I want him to come, he's going to take just a few moments, he's going to share, and then we'll look into the scriptures. Amen. Come on, Brother Colder, introduce yourself and tell him your social security number and few more things. Amen. God bless, brother. Amen.
1: I want to be me. <laughs> I like being me, though. I'm Coulter Patterson. I, I'm a Rock of Ages missionary out of East Tennessee. I had the privilege of being born to a Christian home. And so I knew Jesus loved me before I knew Him. And then one night, I was a six-year-old little boy, and I realized I didn't have Him in my heart and that I wasn't going to the same place my mom and daddy was going. And I couldn't stand it. I wanted Jesus so bad, and I knew I was going to a devil's hell. I felt like my bed would fall into the pit at any moment, and I couldn't stand it. I got up, and I woke up, my mom and daddy, and I trusted the Lord that night. I I trusted Him uh, uh, that He died on the cross in my place, and I got gloriously saved. Well, uh, many years went by, and I looked like any other old stale Christian. For a while, I was a Sunday morning only Christian. For a couple years, I was a no church at all Christian. But you know what? The Lord did not leave me that way. He pursued me, and he started convicting me of my sin. And I, you know, if you're carrying a sin weight, you can't serve. And I laid that sin down and repented of it. And next thing you know, God's got me spreading Bibles, which I still spread a lot of Bibles. And and this old precious Word, there ain't nothing like it. uh, And then the Lord God called me to preach. And I preached for about a year, and I preached in nursing homes or anywhere they let me. And next thing I know, another uh, Rock of Ages man invited me to go to prison. And I told the Lord I'd go anywhere he let me. So I went to prison and I didn't know you could love something that much. Uh, You say, how is there liberty in a prison? Well, it says where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. (laughs) That means there ain't nobody in there that's too dirty for my Lord to save them if they're willing to tell him yes. (laughs) And uh, so next thing you know, I I fell in love with it and I used all my vacation time to go to prison. (laughs) I used all my vacation from work to go to prison. And uh, and uh, so I kept doing that, and I started saying, "God, is this you or is this me?" And then I found out that they needed men in Alaska, and there's six or I get well seven or eight prisons, and they're too far apart for one man to do all of them. And there's all, and uh, I found that out, and God squeezed my heart, and then He gave me a verse. And uh, and away we go. The day the Rock of Ages accepted me, they shut the interstates down. (laughs) But that didn't stop my God. As he said, I'm at 70%, and the Lord's been very gracious to me, and and I'm a-coming for long. (laughs) So ready or not, (laughs) but uh, (laughs) I can't help but think, you know, I couldn't do this. We went to Goose Creek, and... It's 1,298 men there right now, and that's not counting officers. There's plenty of lost officers too, we know that. And if, a ten, if 10% of them uh, was saved, that means there's still a 1,000 lost men in one place. If you had the opportunity and you had a Bible, would you not walk into a room with a 1,000 lost men? Uh, who would do that? And God, He asked me to, and so I'm going to. And I, I'm not going by myself. I can't help but think of Psalms 19. It says, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. I'm going in with this old Bible, this King James Bible. And it's got the power to convict the, uh, the most callous, hard-hearted individual that ever lived. I, I'm going in with this Bible. It says, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. It says, The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. That's right, that old dirty inmate. If he'll ask Jesus into his heart, he'll be clean as a newborn baby. And it says, the judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. He may not have much more than a bunk and a cubby hole full of stuff, but if he'll trust the Lord, oh, the riches of heaven will be his. He'll be more wealthy than he can imagine if he'll but trust the Lord. And then guess what? It says, sweeter all. So then honey and the honeycomb, that's what the judgments of the Lord are. You know, honey will sustain you and the honeycomb will seal you. But the two, guess what? Neither one can spoil. Hey, they got something that won't go bad. You just, you could dig up honey out of Pharaoh's tomb and microwave it. And it'll be as sweet and golden as it was the day they put it in there. That's what the judgments of the Lord are. They don't go bad. And that's what I'm going to take to them by the help of the Lord. Glad to be
0: here. Amen, preacher. God bless. Amen. Well, if you hadn't figured it out, he's got high test in the tank. Okay, and uh, I, I tell you, I love him. Amen. I praise the Lord for him. Oh, close, close. He's out of North Tennessee. Okay. <laughs> it is a joy to be here, and I appreciate it. Thank you so very much. You pray for Brother Colder, please tonight. Uh, we have some prayer cards. He has some prayer cards. But please, if you get one, get one of Brother Colder's. We want to see him come. We want to see him do something different for the country. I mean, for Alaska, for the prisons. He's not the only one. We're praying that God will give us more. God will give us more men that will just RBAP, rare back and preach. That's what we want. That's what they need. You think about it, how to confuse the wise, how that preaching will take and confuse the wise. And God's in it, and so you pray with us and pray for us. Pray for Brother Coulter 70%. We're also looking for a wife, okay? He is, not me. He is. Amen. No, I'm joking. Amen. Let me, let me stop while I'm ahead. It is, again, a joy to be here, and I appreciate the opportunity. Would you turn with me tonight in your Bibles to the book of Luke, Luke chapter 2. And uh, we want to, uh, I know you're thinking, well, is he preaching Christmas tonight? That one got up, and he hacked for us, and now this one's getting up, he's preaching on Christmas, amen. Well, no, he's just got high test, and I'm just trying to follow the Lord, amen. When you found Luke chapter 2, we'll look in verse 8. Why don't you stand with me? This will give us an opportunity to stretch and smile, and then we'll... Have a word of prayer, and after we have prayer, you can be seated. How about that? We're going to start in verse 8. We'll go down through about verse 20, and then we'll go immediately to the thought that we have, and trust it will be a blessing to your heart. Pastor, again, thank you so very much. Alone, loaned the vehicle. We're so grateful. Our motel, we're so grateful. I want you to know we're grateful from the depth of our heart. Amen. We thought about it, but just moving in, and I'm joking, amen, but anyway, thank you so very much. Luke chapter 2, verse 8, and there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night, and lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. The shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem, and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste, and found Mary and Joseph, and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them uh, concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered, at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all of these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned and glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, and it was told unto them. Now let's have prayer, and then you can be seated. Our Father, again, it's in the blessed name of the Lord Jesus. Father, it's with a grateful, thankful heart about my head. I want to pause and say to you one more time that, Lord, I love you. Thank you so very much for this privilege, this opportunity. And Lord, it's a responsibility. Lord, you said in John 17, 17, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. And I ask you, Father, tonight, please, for just a few moments, you'll come and meet with us. May we have your presence. Lord, you told Israel in Exodus thirty three fourteen. And he said, my presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. Lord, I want your presence tonight. I need your presence, Lord. I just might as well sit down. And Lord, just might as well say, let's go home. Unless you visit with us for a little while. You know, the hearts of each and every one that's here, if there's one with us lost, bring that heart to Christ. If there's one with us cold and indifferent to the things of the gospel, bring them to Calvary. Bless and encourage, edify, exhort and equip God thy people. Lord, I'll bow my unworthy head, and thank you for all that you so kindly do. I ask this, Father, in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Look with me tonight. Let me talk to you. As we look at this passage of Scripture, I want to give you one verse. I want to give you the verse that I have upon my heart. I've outlined this passage or this part of Luke chapter 2, but I just want to go right on. May I go right on very quickly? And I want you to look with me, if you will, down in verse 11. The Bible says in verse 11, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. I want to talk to you for just a few moments on the titles of Christ. I don't know how far we'll go with this, but we'll try to mind the Lord and finish up where He would have us to finish up. But as you think about the titles of Christ, their headings, their designations, their ownerships of rights and claims, Webster's 1828 Dictionary simply says it like this, a name of dignity, distinction, or preeminence given to person or persons such as that of a duke or a marquis. And as you think about the titles of Christ, we could look in many passages of scripture, but one that comes to my mind is Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. For unto, us is, uh, for unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulders, our shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. You think about that. There's an outline right there. He starts out and he talks about the wonderful. And he talks about simply, if you study out that word, Miraculous. Had a miraculous birth, did he not? Had a miraculous life full of miracles, doing for those in need. And then he had a miraculous death, burial, and resurrection. As the old song says, When I was raised in an old Presbyterian church, up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph over his foes. He arose a victor from his dark domain, and he ever liveth with his saints to reign. He arose. He arose. Hallelujah. Christ arose. There's so much more just right there that we could look at. But I want to come back to Luke chapter 2. And I want you to notice with me, in verse 2, he says, A Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And as you look at this, may I say to you, there's three thoughts that I want to give you. Number one, there's the thought of acceptance. Number two, there is the thought not only of acceptance. Let me find my notes. Access. And then number three, the thought of authority. I want you to notice with me, if you will, and let me talk to you out of this verse. Let's look at the thought of acceptance. And we see in that the title of Savior. And it speaks of acceptance. As you think about acceptance or acceptance, it means to deliver. It means to make safe. It means to make alive. You look in Colossians chapter 1 and verses 13 and 14 we were delivered from the powers of darkness and translated into the kingdom of his dear son in whom we have redemption through his blood even the forgiveness of sins you look over in Romans chapter 4 and verse 25 who was delivered for our offenses that we might well who was delivered for our offenses I forgot that verse forgive me Romans 4:25 uh for our offenses well, let me go on. You look at it, okay? And then if you'll think with me, we see in First Thessalonians 1 verse 10, we're saved, we're delivered from the wrath to come. Romans 5 and verse 9, much more than being justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. The excessive anger of God will be poured out one day. But because of the grace of God shed and given to you and I, we responded by faith. We'll miss that. Aren't you glad tonight that you know him in the free part of sin? Aren't you glad tonight that he's yours and you're his and you have him and he is our eternal God? Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4, 5 and 6. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law to redeem them that were under the curse of the law. And because your sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts whereby we cry. Father, Papa, Daddy. I'm glad that he's mine. I'm glad that I've got one that I can go to. I'm glad that my God listens. My God answers. And my God sends back grace and mercy to help. And we'll look at that in just a moment in time of need. Well, as you think about it, we see that. I want you to turn with me. Let me just give you one verse, and really I'm going to jump for a few moments, and then we'll settle down. In Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 6, and the Bible says, "...to the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted in the Beloved." And that's where you and I are. We're accepted. Now, let me give you, very quickly, two reasons why. Number one are two reasons for our acceptance. Number one, may I say to you, because of our inabilities. Now you think about it. As an old evangelist down home in the South would say, it's not because your papa do better pill. In a New Year's resolution, you're going to walk right, talk right, act right, and spit white. It's because God saw us in our helpless condition. And he saw us in our need. And he had mercy to save us and to born us into the family of God. Look with me, if you will, in the book of Ephesians, chapter four, and verse seventeen. And in verse seventeen and eighteen, the Bible says, "This I say therefore, and testify of the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as the other Gentiles walked in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart." And that's where you and I were. God comes along; He gives a revelation of Himself. He gives us an opportunity to respond. We repent. We take Christ to the saving of our soul. And we're eternally sanctified. We're eternally set apart. We become His child. That's a Listen, can I tell you that night that I got saved, can I just be honest with you for a second? God knew He was getting the worst end of the deal. And yet God come along and He had mercy and He saw me in my helpless condition and He born me into the family of God. You look over in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3 and 4. And he says, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. That's where we were. Now you think about that, lost without God. On the road to hell. We'd come before God after we come out of hell at the great white throne judgment. Just to be cast off into the lake of fire. But Ephesians 2 and verse 4 says, I believe it's verse 4. But God who is rich in mercy for it's great love wherewith he loved us even when we were dead in sins hath he quickened us together by grace are you saved and then we see not only because of our abilities but all thank God for the abilities of our lord turn with me, if you will in your bibles first peter chapter 1 and notice with me what peter tells us in first peter chapter 1 and verse 18 he said for as much as you know that you were not redeemed with silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily from before was ordained. Well, I'm misquoting that passage of Scripture. But I want to give you three things in verse 18, 19. I believe it's verse 8 20. And he says, number one, that we're redeemed, not with perishable riches. It's not through gold. It's not through silver. It's not because we work our way to heaven. It's not in anything that we can do. Grace, for by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of himself, it is the gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast. You think about that. I don't deserve it. You don't deserve it. But God extends that grace and gives us an opportunity to turn. And we can take him to the saving of our soul. And he borns us into the family of God. It's not through perishable riches. It's not through a passing religion. You know, on my mother's side, there was old-fashioned Church of God. Now, they've had their eyes open since they've got to heaven, okay? And on my father's side, there was old-fashioned Cumberland Presbyterian. You roll them together and put it out there, just enough truth and just enough fire, and you've got a good Baptist, amen? You all to get that in just a second, amen? But you know, listen... I can remember a praying grandmother. I can remember a praying grandfather. I can remember that they prayed for me. You know, I come from a dysfunctional family, and I don't say that for pity or anything like that. But God still saw me. And He saw my need. And He came to me and He spoke to me. And I was saved. It's not through religion. Before I was saved, I was a member of a Cumberland Presbyterian church. Been sprinkled had voting rights. I can remember we would come into the church and they would light the candles and that represented the Holy Spirit. And then when the service was over, they would turn or blow them out and the Holy Spirit had left. But you know, listen, later on I started dating my wife and her father was the chairman board of the Deacons. I mean the Deacons, amen. Now that's another joke. Y'all smile, okay. I'm not mad at the Deacons tonight, Okay. And uh, I started going to church with my wife. I went forward one Sunday. Or excuse me, yes, it was a Sunday morning. You know, down home, I don't know how it is here, but down home, you got to shake, everybody's got to shake the visiting preacher's hand. And so he's standing over here, and he was up a little taller than I am. And um, we come around, I didn't know no better. And he looked down at me and he said, you're not saved, are you, boy? And boy, when he said that, I thought, man, this old boy, he's close to God, isn't he? And I said, no. And he said, you got to get saved before you leave here. And I wanted to be saved. I wanted to know Christ and the free pardon of sin. I wanted to know that if I died, my soul would go to heaven, but I wasn't ready to give up my sin. And there that day, I went, um, you know, I got on my knees. I made a profession of faith. The next week, the pastor said, Steve, come up here. I want you to tell everybody what happened to you last week. Well, I couldn't tell nobody what happened to me. I didn't have nothing. And I, I, I said, I'm just too nervous. And he said he got saved. Very precious grace preacher. But you know, I didn't have nothing. And I was working with a preacher. And every Wednesday night or every Thursday, he'd come into the church and he or into the Service station. He'd say, guess what we've done for you last night. And I said, what? He said, we prayed for you. I said, you didn't tell them people my name or nothing, did you? And you know, people started, I'm serious, I want to say this. I'm not j- just joking, but people started passing by. Little grannies and grandpas, and they'd blow the horn and wave. And I'm going, hey, who are you? I don't know you. And it was those people that was praying. And I went to that old-fashioned little Baptist church on a Wednesday night. God was dealing with my heart, and I got saved. Amen? It's not through passing religion, but it's through the precious blood of Christ. It's still a bloody salvation. I'm glad that it is. In whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins. I'm glad that that blood was applied. And I, you know, listen, I didn't have no great or wonderful prayer, but I knew who had what I wanted, and I knew what I wanted. And there that night, Christ saved me, and he born me into the family of God. And I've never been the same. I've never been the same. I don't deserve that, but God saved me. Look with me, secondly, as you look back in Matthew, or excuse me, into the book of Luke, You get there before I do. Just hold on for just a second. But I want you to notice with me, he says a Savior, which is Christ. And I want you to notice with me, secondly, as we think about Christ, our Savior, we think about the thought of access. And you know, when you think about about Christ, the anointed, it is the Greek word answering to the Hebrew word Messiah, the consecrated or the anointed one. The titles mentioned 514 times in the New Testament, and it speaks of our redemptive work of our Savior. But you know, when I think about access, I think about help. Jeremiah 33:3 says, "Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not." You look in First John, or excuse me, John 15, I believe it is, in verse seven. He said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. You look in Ephesians chapter 3, the second apostolic prayer, verse 20. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power of God that worketh in us. Asking you shall receive, seeking you shall find, Knock and it shall be open unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, to him that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be open. And we've got a God, we've got a, a, a God that answers and helps in time of need. I want you to look with me tonight as you think about the word help, access. He's there for our help. You go to Romans chapter five. In verse 1, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And then he says in verse 2, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein you stand. And I think about our God as a helping God. That's how I look at Him. That's how I think of Him. God will give him that 15%. Our ministry won't let him come until he has 85%. We need your prayers. But God will give him that 15%. And what I'm saying to you as you think about it, I want to show you, help is mentioned, it's mentioned 121 times. You find it 11 times in your New Testament. I want to show you the last, and then I'll show you the first on the thought of help. Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Hebrews chapter 4. And notice with me in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 14. He said, seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God. Let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. And then he says, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to Help in time of need. This is the last time that you find help in your New Testament, in your King James. I don't know about the rest of them. And as you think about this passage of Scripture, as you think about what we're looking at in verses 14, 15, and 16, let me give you three things to think about. Number one, we see his ministry for us. Notice in verse 14, For we have a great high priest. Aren't you glad that we've got someone seated at the right hand of the throne of the Father? You know, a lot of times, let me give you this example here for just a second. Let's use this as an altar area. And a lot of times, maybe someone will come to that altar. And so as they come and as they bow and as they begin to pray and maybe possibly cry and seek out to the Heavenly Father, you know, that's what we see here. But what's taking place in heaven? If you look in Romans chapter eight and verse twenty six, you'll see it. The Bible says, likewise, the Spirit itself helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession with groanings which cannot be uttered. And what I'm trying to get you to see tonight is the heavenly excuse me, the Holy Spirit, He takes up those prayers and He offers that up to our Savior. Our Savior is seated at the right hand of the Father. And our Savior turns to the Father. And the Father, according to His will, sends back grace and mercy to help in time of need. As you think about this, may I say to you, look in verse 15 and we see His empathy for us. And what I mean by that is that He literally can feel the pain and the heartache that you and I feel. You say, how's that? Well, he lived a 33 and a half year life. Many nights he would go out and pray all night and then conduct his ministry throughout the day the next day. He would pray. and You know, I think about the passage of scripture where he's walking on the water. And Peter says, bid me Lord to come unto thee. Have you ever figured out or have you ever thought about it and it's nothing new and I don't claim originality to this like I'm something great. But have you ever figured out or have you ever thought why Christ was walking on the water? you ever thought about that? May I say to you, it's because he wants us to know there's not a place he cannot go and help us in our time of need. And so the Father, because of the Son... Interceding on your behalf and mine sends back that grace and mercy and help are to help in time of need. Now we're going on very quickly. I'm trying to hurry here. I want you to notice with me. You look down in verse 16 that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And we see his sympathy for us. Sometimes we need his empathy. Sometimes we need his sympathy. Thank God we have His ministry as He's seated at the right hand of the Father. Now turn with me in your Bibles very quickly. I want you to look with me in Matthew chapter 15. And in Matthew chapter 15, this is the first place in the New Testament that we see Christ and we see the thought of help. Or, or, uh, I said that wrong, but this is the first time in the New Testament where we see the thought of help. And in this passage of Scripture... Matthew chapter fifteen. We're going to start in verse twenty. We'll read down through there. I want you to notice he's helping a Gentile. Now you think about that. Some says in this passage she's known as the uh, 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 Phoenician woman. I think it's Mark chapter seven. She's known as um, well. No, she's known as the Canaan woman or a Canaan woman here, and she's known as a the Phoenician there what it is, it's believed that they come, the Phoenicians come, and they moved into this area. And her roots were probably Phoenician, but she was from Canaan. And so, in verse 21, notice with me what it says, Then Jesus went thence and departed into the coast of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David." My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshipped him and said, Lord, help me. There it is, first time in the New Testament. But he answered and said, it's not me to take the children's bread and cast it to the dogs. And she said, truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from the master's table. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee even as thou will. And her daughter was made whole from the very hour. Let me go through it very quickly. I'm looking at her time. I'm trying to be mindful tonight. But we see this woman's cry. She begins to cry. She's not crying for herself. She's crying for a baby. She's crying for a daughter. I don't know how it is up here in Alaska, but I know down in North Georgia, Tennessee, Alabama, Florida, you can be 40 years old, been married for 25 years, have three kids, and you're still mama's baby. Amen? Amen? Y'all will get that in just a second. You'll understand what I'm saying. That's my baby. That's how they say it like that right there. And this little old woman, we see her cry. She's crying. She's come before the Lord. And she's saying to him, Lord, Lord, I need some help. Oh, my baby. I need some help. God, if you don't touch. And Mr. Schofield, if you study out his notes, he says that Christ did not ask her or, excuse me, answer her. Uh, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me stay with my outline. Number one, there's her cry. Number two, there's his conduct. In his conduct, we see number one, silence. And then we see number two, his sayings. And in his silence, Mr. Schofield says the reason why is because she is a Gentile using a Jewish term and he answers her not. Now, I'm not arguing with Mr. Schofield. But I wonder where she heard that. I wonder where she got a hold of that. Maybe it was down at the market, and she's minding her business. And while she's at the market and minding her business, she comes across some Jewish women, and they're talking, and they begin to speak about, oh, thou the son of David, and how he's done this, and he's done that, and he he can do this, and he's done that. And word has been told that possibly that he's raised from the dead. And she says, I've got to meet this man, Jesus. And somewhere along the line, she comes into his presence. And the Bible says we see that, we see his conduct. And then, thirdly, if you look in verse 23, we see his carnal disciples. And that's the best way for me to describe it. You might describe it with something else. But they're looking at him and saying, Lord, you've got to take this woman away from us. If you don't take her away, she's about to wear us to death. We can't help this woman. Lord, you've got to do something with this woman. But she's crying, I've got a baby. Lord, I've got a child. I love my child. God, you've got to do something on behalf of my child. And you know, Christ, he's silent to her when she says, thou son of David. But I want you to notice with me, look in verse 25. Now business is about to pick up. In verse 25, the Bible says, Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, Help me. I want you to see, he's silent. But when she says, Lord, help me. Now, I don't know what you know, and I'm going to go past my outline for just a second, and I'll try to hurry and be done here. But that word, Lord, it means to kiss, to kiss the hand. But I want you to understand what I've learned and what I've read, it goes further than that. It's not an example of. It's part of the definition to my understanding. And that is, it's the thought of a hound licking its master's hand. And you know, I think about over my daughter-in-law, or excuse me, my youngest daughter and my son-in-law. Uh, he pastors in Hepzibah, just right below Augusta, Georgia. And... Uh, They've got a couple of labs, and one of them's name is Dog, and the other one's name is Dog because I can't remember them, okay? What are they, Gail? Rosie and Daisy. Daisy is the mother of Rosie. Now, I preference Rosie. Rosie is a black lab. Daisy, she's a blonde lab, and, uh, you know, she gave birth to her. And a lot of times, we'll get out, and as we're getting out at the house, Starting to bring in our clothes and stay with them maybe a weekend or preach for them or something like that. I, it never seems to fail. I'll be uh, uh, open up the back of the Explorer and I'm reaching in. I'm getting something and maybe I'm down like this. And Rosie will come up with her nose. And then she'll lick. And she begins to worship. Let me ask a question here tonight. How long has it been since you've worshipped? Do you have an altar at home? Do you get up in the morning, you've got to be at work, you're putting on your britches and you're pulling over your shirt and you're walking out the door at 7.15 to get there on time? Not knowing what the day lays before you and what's coming down the pipeline, kind of say it like that. But it might be better if you got in the bed instead of 11, 11.30 or 12. And you and I were in the bed maybe at 9.30 or 10. And we're up somewhere between 5.30 and 6. And we have our prayer time. And we have our devotional time. And we've sought His face. And we've asked of the Lord. That thought there is worship. It's to lick. The master's hand. Let me ask you guys for just a minute. I alluded to this on Sunday morning. And I sure don't mean it smart or hateful. How long has it been since you've cried before the throne of grace? We've been taught all our life as men. Men don't cry. And yet God gives us that as a release when we're hurting from time to time. And God gives us that tears. And we've heard the messages on uh, the tears that God bottles up. And what I'm saying to you, how long has it been since you've cried and sought His face and asked of God, and God has come upon the scene and met your need? God said, seeing then that we have a great high priest, let us therefore come boldly that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. No old country preacher down home one time, it's some of the best theology I've ever heard. He said, son, if God don't answer my prayers, he said, I'm going to get out on my knees and find out why. He also come along, just simple little thoughts, and he said, hey, preacher, you just pray to learn how to pray. And I'm saying to you, listen, how long has it been since you've had your family? How long has it been? You know, I have three daughters and one son. They're all married. Three are in the ministry. One just goes to church. But you know what I'm saying to you, I can remember a preacher would come through or an evangelist would come through. I'll be through in just a moment. And uh, listen, it'd stir our hearts. And I could look around at my wife and I'd say, come. And my kids, uh, the kids in our church usually at that time would sit right here in the front. And, and listen, I would uh, kind of say, come on. And we go to the altar, and I try to put my arm around all of them. And Lord, this is my little covey. Lord, this is what you've given to me. Lord, please help us. How long has it been since you've asked of the Lord in tears? You know, I go into churches, pastor, all the time. And people are smiling and So forth and so on. But down inside the heart, they're falling apart. Smiling on the outside, falling apart. And I'm trying to tell you a lot of times, if you just spend time praying over that wayward child, if you spend time praying over your husband, if you spend time praying over your wife, I tell my wife all the time, honey, you ever leave me, pack my bags, I'm going with you. We've got two friends that love me and they'll buy me anything. One's American Express and the other one's Visa. You'll get that in just a second, amen? But I'm trying to tell you something. How long has it been since you've prayed, cried, worshipped before the throne of grace? Now, I've got to close. My time's over. I'd like to give an invitation tonight. I'd like to encourage you. I'd like to say, hey, you have not because you ask not. You ask not because you ask, or you ask because you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your lust. Hey, is your family, nobody else know nothing about it, falling apart? Are you a fearful wife that your husband's into pornography? Are you fearful of this? Are you fearful of that? There's an old fashioned altar that'll solve a lot of your problems. Ah, I don't need that. Oh, but you do. Oh, but you do. Dad, why don't you make your way out? Won't you come one more time? Won't you turn around to those kids? Won't you turn around to that wife? Honey, let's go. Let's get what we need. Let's pray one more time. Our Father, I come to the throne with a grateful, thankful heart. Bless now and help us in this invitation. May you be well pleased. Lord, move upon the hearts of the people now in Christ's name. You got a need? Why don't you come tonight?